Thank you, worship team, this evening. As I said just a few moments ago, we are going to have a few of our young adults just greet you today and share a little bit of what God is speaking into their heart tonight. And then uh, we will we'll see how all that goes, and then we'll see how far we get after that, all right? We're just going to be obedient to the Lord, and tonight we're blessed to have... Emma Russell and TJ and then Cameron tonight is going to come and they're going to greet you and as Emma begins to make her way to the platform can we just stretch our hands this way and we're going to pray for these three young individuals tonight dear Heavenly Father we love you we thank you today for the privilege to come and to lift your name high as well as to hear your word tonight. And Father, I pray that you would just speak through these three individuals tonight, Lord, that are saying yes to you. They all have different personalities, different delivery styles, but Lord, every one of them has a call on their life and we're so grateful for it. So today, Father, I pray that they would rest in knowing that you are still moving and that you are still speaking and therefore that which they have on their heart today Lord is something that you've been instilling in them so Lord I pray you'd help them to articulate that which they have been given Lord anoint them as they speak that and Lord let us have ears to hear in Jesus name Amen I'm going to start in Job 1, verses 6 through 12. One day the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord, and the accuser Satan came to them. Where have you come from? The Lord asked Satan. Satan answered the Lord, I have been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. Then the Lord asked Satan, Have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. Satan replied to the Lord, Yes, but Job has good reason to fear God. You have always put a wall of protection around him in his home and his property. You have made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is. But reach out and take away everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. All right, you may test him, the Lord said to Satan. Do whatever you want with everything he possesses, but don't harm him physically. So Satan left the Lord's presence. In verse 12, it says, all right, you may test him. In this, we see that God gave permission for Satan to bring an attack onto Job. After reading this for the first time, I asked, why would God let the devil come against Job? And I bet almost every one of us can admit that we have questioned God, asking him, why can't I get out of this valley? Why am I going through trial after trial? Will I ever get a break? After reading this verse a couple times, over and over again, trying to understand, I realized that God told Satan, but don't harm him physically. This shows me that God knows just how much we can handle. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says that the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. 
God will not allow any of us to go through any trials or tribulations that we will not make it out of. I say we should praise the Lord for that. I am here to remind you that you will see a victory. When I am going through a difficult season is when I shout, Who are you, great mountain, that you should not bow low? Who are you, devil, to think that you can tear me down when I have the king of all kings to keep me safe? As long as you keep your faith in the Lord and trust that he will lead you out of the valley, you will make it out. James 1.12 says that God blesses those who are patiently, who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And if you go back to James 1.2-3, it reads, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. It says when any troubles come your way and when faith is tested. There is no doubt that we will experience some difficult times, but we must go to the Lord for help. When Job lost his children in chapter 1, verse 20 states that he fell to the ground to worship. James 1.5 says that if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. God wants us to seek him and ask for guidance, but it is up to you to go to God and ask him for the directions you need. Sorry for the interruption. It took me a second to get everything situated. But before I go into my word, I just want to just testify a little bit. Emma, for a year, for three years, I, I hadn't been in the place where I needed to be. And she was tested with, with me. I wasn't the man that she needed to be in God, for what she thought of a godly man. But she had more faith than, than I've ever seen anybody. That, and she prayed for me harder than I have anybody. And because of that, I'm here today. today. So I just thank God for her. I thank you for the word and the, just the, the change that, she's, that God's bringing to both of us. So today, um, if you turn your Bibles to Mark 7, the Lord had given me the scripture on Sunday, and I'd had three or four other messages that he'd given me in the past couple weeks, but I just, he didn't give me a release to preach any of them. And he, he brought me to this scripture, and he he kind of gave me some words on uh, what to say, but I didn't know really how to tie it in. And I was, even last night, I, I get home and I'm thinking, I told him, I'm the one that's not ready now. I don't know what, what the Lord wants. And I was sitting at work today and I was thinking about it, probably too much. I should have been working, but you know how that goes. And um, I had my notebook just because I was like, you know, I better bring it just in case the Lord gives me something. And you're going to speak to me, relationship or routine. So if you turn your Bibles to... Mark 7, 6 through 13. He answered and said unto them, Well, has Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites? As is written, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of the God, you hold the tradition of men, as the washing of pots and cups, and many other such like things you do. And he said unto them, Full well you reject the commandment of God, that you may keep your own tradition. For Moses said, You honor your father and your mother, and 
And whoso curses father or mother, let him die the death. But you say, if a man shall say to his father or mother, it is Corban that is to say a gift, be whatsoever you might be profited by me, he shall be free. And you suffer him no more to aught for his father and mother, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition. So in this verse, we see that God's, God's almost bringing a correction of their, their, their falling tradition. And I feel like today in the church, we, not on purpose, we've, we've fallen into a routine of we come to church on Sunday and we come to church on Wednesday. And not that we're not saved, not that we're doing anything wrong on purpose, but we've just got comfortable where we're at. We've, we've got used to going from Sunday to Wednesday, relying on Ronnie and Jade or the next guest speaker. And I, I feel like the Lord is wanting to do something, wanting to do something deeper with us, something Bring us deeper. We just have to have a we have to have a deeper relationship. Do we have a true relationship or are we fall in routine? Have we have we allowed the our comfort have we have we got so comfortable that we don't pray desperately anymore? I was I was listening to something the other day and it was John Haggie and he said that God listens to a desperate prayer. We I feel like we've fallen into such a routine that you know sometimes we, we go through the the routine of praying, of, oh God, please help me, help me with this day. But we don't get desperate. We don't realize how, how broken this world is. We don't realize how much we need him. And we don't realize the power that we have if we would get in that relationship. We think, like, Friday, Brother Mark, Sergey, Sir, however you say his name, he, he blew my mind because he had, he had a, he, had, he knew the power he had. He didn't, he had a boldness. It, I thought that, you know, we, some of us had a boldness, but whenever I saw him, I was like, man, this guy's got a, a true boldness. He, I remember, and I'm just going to, Debbie, I hope you're not mad, but Debbie raised her hand for healing, and man, he grabbed her, and he said, devil, get out. So he didn't say, God, please, you can heal her. No, he knew he already had the power. So we, we, we so often think that, that, oh, God, please heal him. God's already gave us the power to heal him. If we would just dig deeper and get into the relationship, I come every, most, most time Tuesdays, now it's Thursdays and Sundays, and before that, I didn't pray like I thought, like, I, actually, it's actually funny, I opened my Bible last Monday night, and something fell out, and it was, I, the paper's my other Bible in the car, actually, and it was something we had in Sunday school years ago, evaluating your prayer life, and I was reading it, and I was looking, and I was put, I put fair, fair, good, and it was, I looked at my mom, and I said, I lied about every one of these. So we, we don't have to, if we would just, if, I feel it so heavy for me, I've realized that I don't have to, to wait for Sunday or Wednesday for, for, to, to reach God. Every Tuesday and Thursday, I'm excited to come here. I'm excited. God is, su- Sunday morning, God, Jade always asked me, what's the Lord speaking to you? And I looked at him and I said, I feel him so good right now, I can't even talk. But we have to. We have to realize that we need a relationship. And if we have a true relationship, we're going to read more and we're going to pray more. So I just want to go through, what does the Bible say about prayer? Do you, first off, I want to ask a question. Do you pray to touch God or do you pray, pray to pray? Do you pray with a desperate, that God, I need you now? Or do you just pray because you've done that your whole life? Because for so long I prayed because I'd done it my whole life. But now I'm realizing I got to pray for a change. I can't. I don't. I can't just say, God, I thank you for this day. 
Now my prayer is, God, I need you. I can't walk every day without you. I can't go the same way I have. Because for years, I went the same way I had. And I was, I was losing myself. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, and I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin and will hear their land. I don't know about you, but our land, our, our country is hurting right now, and they're looking for something. We can't, we can't keep going how it is. We don't have time. I told, I told Jade, I said, I feel cheesy saying this, but we are in the most critical time we've ever been in. People are searching for things. There are, there are people that are constantly searching. Are we going to give them God, or are we, we going to give them our religion, our, our, our routine? Are we going to bring them here and say, okay, you pray like this, you pray like this, and you're good? Are we going to give them the true, we're going to teach them the true relationship of God? You know, it's good that we come here and we, you know, we get filled, but if you don't take it out, what are we doing with it? We're not, we're storing it. We're not supposed to store it. We're supposed to give it. We're supposed, our, our flame is supposed to be constantly flickering. And so long, even whenever I would get a touch, I would share it. And if you, you probably know, you guys have Facebook. I've been sharing things on Facebook and not, and I've, I did it for a couple of days and I was like, man, is this, am I just, is this just me? Is this a waste of time? And not because anything I did, but because I was obedient to God. God allowed, allowed that Facebook message to be seen by someone, and they reached out to me, and they said, who is this? I want to see this more. I, I want to I hear this. And not because of anything I did, just because I was obedient. There are people searching that you wouldn't even think. I've known this, this person my whole life, and I didn't think, you know, I know he knew God, but I didn't think he, he truly had a desire for him, and that just blew my mind. Colossians 4.2, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. We can't just, we have to devote ourselves. We should be in constant prayer. That's what I've learned the past two months is we can't just pray on once a day. I'm, I'm sitting at my desk and I'm, I'm finding myself praying and I'll look over and someone will be looking at me funny because I'll be, I'll be worshiping. I'll be, I'll be singing to myself not even realizing. We have to be in constant prayer. We can't live, this, this, this world this world is getting so bad. We can't, we can't afford to be away from God for any, any time. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says to pray continually. And the second thing is, is, next thing, is you have to continually be in your word. So I wanted to see, you know, what does the Bible say about your word? About the word. Hebrews 4.12 for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word is, is still alive. I feel like, I don't think we mean to, but so often we don't, those stories that we're reading the Bible, they were true. The, the power that you see in the Bible still happened. We have the same power that, that you read about. We don't, the same power that lives, that lived in, and them live in us. Second Timothy three sixteen. All Scripture is breathed out of God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So every everything you read is the breath of God. In the beginning, it says the Word was God. God is the Word, and if we want to get closer to God, we got to continually be in this. We can't just read once a day. You don't have to be, you don't have to read a book a day. I read, I try to read a chapter a day at lunch. 
just because you continually have to be refreshed. You continually have to renew your mind. I would, I would go from, when I was in, in high school, I would go from service to service, and I would get filled, and then I'd go right back at it again because I wasn't reading. I wasn't praying. You know, we have to know that there are attacks coming. There, I, used to, I used to not realize, I would tell my mom, every time I would get filled, there would be an attack coming. We have to realize it. So we have to stay in our word and we have to stay in constant prayer because the more you do for God, the more attacks you're going to get. So don't get discouraged. Think, man, if the enemy is attacking this hard, that means that I'm doing something right. So I think I just, if we would get out of the, the routine and get into go deeper, I feel like I just, my, every message I've had the, that, in this, that I've got the last four or five weeks has been going deeper. Going deeper, all of them. The whole theme could be, no matter what it is, it's always about going deeper. There's so much, there's so much that has, God has taught me because I've, I've went deeper. And there's, you guys, we can live, we can live in God's presence. We don't have to go from Sunday to Wednesday. You know, I thought that it was normal just to go from service to service getting filled up because that's all I'd known. But once I got, I, I learned to pray and read, I realized that it may not be shouting and all the time, but I feel the spirit of God. I'm, I'm, I've, I've completely changed, not because of me, but because of God. And that bitterness I had in my heart, that, that, that anger for things that happened to me has completely went away. There are things that you're dealing with, and if you would just give it to God, it would change. You know, I struggled for years with my dad, and I had anger. And I couldn't get over it. And I'd ask God why. And I know big, God gave me a big end, but deep down, I was why, and I was hurt by it, and I would, I refused to forgive him, and the other day, big end looked at me, and he said, it's time you forgive him, and I realized I couldn't go deeper until I forgave my dad, because they need, he may have messed up, but he needs that love too, so the people that have hurt you, they need that love, they need Jesus just as much as any of us do, it doesn't matter what they've done to you, it doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't matter how much they've hurt you. And even if they don't receive it, you can't hold on to that. Because if you hold on to that, you're never going to go deeper. So I thank, I thank Ronnie for the opportunity to speak. And um, thank you guys for listening. All right. Get set up here. There we go. I definitely know God's speaking to both of us tonight, well, all three of us, because I, I feel like all of our messages and all of our little exhortations here have, have kind of all lined up, um, at least different passages, but everything in, in one kind of vein of thought, which I think is, is completely awesome. Hold on, sorry. Austin New just Snapchatted me. There we go. All right, so um, you guys have been sitting for a little bit, so uh, I'm going to read in Judges 16, uh, verses 15 through 17. So if you could, uh, please stand for the reading of God's Word. All right. And the Bible reads, And she said unto him, How canst thou say, I love thee, when thine heart is not with me? Thou hast mocked me three times, and hast not told me wherein thy great strength lieth. And it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death 
that he told her all his heart and said unto her, Thou hast not thou hast not come a razor upon mine head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. I if I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. You and me you may be seated. So. Thank you for standing for God's word. I think God's word is something that needs to be reverenced. So standing for God's word is just a way that we can show that reverence um, to God and his word. Because like TJ just said, the word is God's breath and it has been bestowed upon us. So I always uh, try to hold that reverent um, in my heart. So obviously this story, uh, you may be wondering why I just read at least the, the back part of it. Because obviously this story is about Samson, Samson and Delilah. This is where Samson finally gives in to Delilah's temptation where she continually just badgers him. And, and I know the NIV, instead of vexed unto death, it says nagging and nagging him until the point where he finally boils over and tells her. But this is kind of the downfall of Samson, obviously, because after this point, he gets a very bad haircut. And then it, it leads to him getting his eyes plucked out. And then you know, of course, we all know the story. He, he then ends up eventually dying, pulling the pillars in, and, and ending his life there. Of course, though, we do see that he had a lot of upside. And, and of course, me being kind of a sports person, if you look at Samson before the point where he tells Delilah, he looks like a number one draft pick. And he has all of the upside. He's dedicated to God. He's a great warrior. He's exceedingly strong. He's killed thousands of soldiers. He's a man of faith. He killed a lion. He broke strong bands. He, he even carried the gates of Gaza. I think that's how you say it. But Gaza. And, and he did all of these great things. But we read here, he just lets it all go in one split second. You know, Delilah badgered him multiple times and badgered him and badgered him and just kept talking to him and saying, hey, where's, where's this lie at? Where, where's your strength lie at? Like, just tell me. I, we're, we're close. You know, you like me. Like, you know, tell me. I see kids do that all the time, you know. Hey, you know, at school, trying to get their, this girl's attention. But, of course, in this case, the girl's trying to get the guy's attention, and, and he eventually ends up boiling over and telling her where his strength lies. And, and that's where we see one of the biggest collapses. We see that he loses his dedication to God. He gets deceived by Delilah because Delilah was actually... Um, getting paid to, to figure out this information out, which um, reading this, you kind of wonder, why didn't he see this coming? Because everything that he told her happened to him. So that kind of rung over in my mind where it's just like, man, he really got deceived by this woman because he was so blinded liking this woman that he let her do all of these things. And he had to, there had to be a point where he was like, you know, I told her that this random thing would happen and I would lose my strength. And she and it somehow happened to me the next day. So there was a, a point in my, in my mind when I'm reading this where, man, he really did get deceived by this woman. And, of course, we, we continue to read where he gets his eyes burned out. He gets imprisoned. And, like I said, a bad haircut. And, and God leaves him. And he gets mocked, ridiculed, and never really reaches his full potential. Because if we really read who Samson is, and we go all the way back to Judges 13 and 5, it says Samson is supposed to be the one that's going to deliver Israel from the Philistines, because the Philistines are kind of, you know, camped in Israel right now, and, and Samson is the one that's supposed to be a Nazarite that is going to then lead the people of Israel from the hand of the Philistines. But because of this, and because of getting deceived by Delilah, he then falls. 
He did have the ability to overcome this, what he was facing, but he didn't. And in my mind, I kind of read through this story multiple times, and I was like, why, why did he not? Why did he not? And while I was sitting back in the sound room on Sunday, uh, I heard this word pop into my head, and it was complacency. I, I know I've heard that, that word multiple times, especially in the sports world, uh, being complacent. And I, I wanted to dive deep into that word and see, see where the definition lies and, and what complacency really means. And I looked at this definition, and of course I'm the teacher now, so I get to pick which definition I want to listen to. So complacency, at this point, the definition I picked, was a feeling of overconfidence or self-satisfaction. So a feeling that, oh, I'm good. I don't need, I don't need this anymore. I'm good where I'm at. And in my reading, at least of this story, we see Samson kind of gets to that point where he's like, oh, man. You know, I just, you know, those gates were kind of heavy. You know, I, I carried them. I carried them off. You know, I killed a lion. I mean, have any of you guys killed a lion? That's, that's pretty big stuff. So he does all of these things, and he kind of gets to the point, at least in my reading here, he kind of gets to the point where he's like, eh, okay, I'm good with where I'm at. I'm good with just doing these baseline things. So we see that this complacency, it's not being lazy because he still did these things. Every time that Delilah tempted him, he still fought off the people that were coming because, you know, obviously he kind of told her um, to, you know, kind of tell her what wasn't uh, holding his strength. So she, you know, came at him and these people came and tried to, you know, kill Samson, but he ended up winning. So he still was able to fight off these things but he wasn't doing it to the best of his ability, if you hear what I'm saying. He wasn't reaching his fullest potential. Because he had a ton of potential, but he never fully reached it. And I know another definition of complacency is having the ability to do something, but not doing it to your fullest potential. And I know, again, my mind kind of went to the sports world, and I'm coaching baseball again in town, so it's nice to be back at the field, but uh, a part of me, when I was studying for this message, I looked at this word complacency, and I remember a time Coach yelled at us for being complacent because we, and of course, me being 15, I didn't know what that word meant. So I was just like, uh, and then, you know, just went back to the dugout and sat down. But this whole point here is that I got complacent. I was a good little ball player. I, I wasn't anything to call home about, but I was a good little ball player. And I knew that. So at practice, you know, I kind of went lazy through drills, and I just kind of did the status quo so I could, you know, still be a good little ball player. But the team that I was facing, the enemy, knew I was a good little ball player. And they watched film on me. They studied my weaknesses. And then when I go out to the field, there was a team that we used to beat all the time. But my senior year, we went out there, and we got run rolled. We got beat bad. And our coach yelled at us for being complacent because – Instead of going out and getting better, like the other team was, because they were way better this time when we played them, we sat back and we were like, oh, man, this is going to be an easy win. I went through the motions, and, and we got beat. And that's what I kind of see Samson doing. Samson got complacent. He killed the lions. He killed the multitudes of people. He got comfortable, not lazy. He got comfortable, and the temptation got harder, and he finally gave in. And that's the point we see here where I just read, where he gave in and told her all of his heart. Now, see, another definition of complacency that I, I really kind of want to spend a little bit of time on is being unaware of present danger. 
So being unaware of present danger. Church, if we look at Samson, he became complacent. He knew he was good. He knew he could kill all of these things. He could lift heavy things, which is really cool. So he had all of these attributes. He had everything. He even had the girl. And everything, but none of that mattered because he became unaware of present danger. Church, we have gotten complacent. We have. Like TJ was saying, we've gotten okay with being good with just having that feeling during service, having that trickle down our spine when we have a good word or, or the worship's going good. We've become complacent with that. We've been, been come okay with just sitting in church and putting Christian on a resume. And I'm pretty sure I do have Christian on my resume. But we've become okay with just doing that instead of digging deeper and growing deeper in the Word. Like TJ was saying, we need to read the Word every day and get into the Word. I know I'm preaching to myself here more than anyone. We really need to grow deeper. Our job here on earth is not just to come into church, put Christian on a resume, and just sit there and listen. Our job is to go out and reach a commission. But we sit idle when God tells us to move. I don't know how many times I've brushed off God, and I, and I hate that I've done this growing up in a church and knowing what God is telling me to do, but when God tells me to go pray for someone, I don't, and I miss that opportunity. And some of those people, and it hurts me to say this, but some of those people are not in church anymore. And it, part of me in the back of my mind is like, man, if I would have just went and talked to them when God was urging me to, maybe they would still be in church, and maybe they would still be here. But we sit here idle, and we've become complacent with what we have going on. And the Bible even talks about becoming complacent. If we flip over to first, or Proverbs uh, 1, verse 32, the Bible even says, For the, wayward of the, simple will the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. The complacency of the fools will destroy them. That's the NIV there, and I like the way it put complacency of the fools will destroy them. Because when you become complacent, you become like the foolish man who built his house on the sand, where that thing's not going to stand when the rain comes. So we become foolish if we become complacent and sit in a church pew, wait service from service, and just survive with that, instead of living every day with God's word in our heart and going out and doing our job and reaching the lost. See, Samson becomes complacent in this story here and in his whole life, and he falls to that temptation when Delilah, you know, comes at him multiple times. And he pours his heart out, like it says in verse 17, like we read, he said, and he told her all of his heart. And he told it into Delilah, when we all know that he probably should have, instead of telling Delilah, he probably should have poured that into God. And we do that multiple times, me more than probably anyone. I know my wife yells at me for it all the time because you know, sometimes I get really competitive, um, and, you know, sometimes I, you know, just like to shrug things off and, and just hold things in when I probably shouldn't. When instead of pouring it out to God, I, I hold it in, and I bottle it up, and I put the lid on real tight, but that's kind of what Samson's doing here. He, he has all of this stuff that he doesn't really need to tell her, but he tells her all of his heart instead of going and telling the Lord what is going on in his life. You see, church, as well, becoming complacent is not something we often recognize. I know I've done it multiple times. I've been to church for the majority of my life. And becoming complacent is something that we, we kind of just have become used to. And, and it's bad to say that, but we have become used to it. We have been so busy in life, and I know 
I, I started two new jobs. I had a job at Richmond. Now I'm here, and, and I've become used to um, getting lesson plans and, and coming home and doing that. Um, and it, it's, it's a lot, especially because I'm teaching three subjects here, and it's become so, such busyness. I've stopped devoting time to God. I've stopped devoting time to prayer and fasting like I should be. And it's something that it starts slow. You don't recognize it. You're like, oh, man, I can, I can just read tomorrow. I can just, you know, I, I can go without it today. I can pray, you know, in an hour, and then that hour never comes. But we've become so complacent as a church that we have slowly but surely ended up to where it's three songs, a message, and we leave and go to Pizza King or to Mexican if you're with my wife. But three songs, a word, and Mexican, and then three songs, a word, and Mexican, and three songs, a word, and Mexican. And that's, that's, my, that's my Sunday and Wednesday. But we have become so complacent with that where we have stopped doing what God has called us to do. I know the, the enemy, uh, obviously, like I was talking about um, in, in my baseball scenario, the enemy, he is always going to be there. He's always going to be seeking whom he may devour, as the Bible says. And I know it says in John 10.10, he's like a thief that comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. And if we are not careful and we become too complacent, like the Bible says here in Proverbs, again, back to this, the complacency of fools will destroy them. We may end up, if we are not careful, like Samson and like another big figure, like David, who goes up on a roof and sees Bathsheba, and he falls in that moment. He's not able to fulfill his potential. And church, let me tell you, all of you have potential. All of you have the ability to go out and reach people, whether or not that's from the platform ministry. But this is only 10% of ministry. Everything else is out there. Our job is to reach the lost. Getting out of complacency does take work. You will need to get stronger. You will need to get stronger. And getting stronger is, like TJ said, getting in your word or finding a new way. I know with playing Rushville, which was a team we always used to beat that beat us my, my senior year, and I was really not happy about it, but they found a new way to beat us. They ended up playing a lot of small ball, as they call it in baseball, and it was just something we didn't expect, and they came out and they beat us. So we have to, if we want to get out of a complacency, do something different. So those young ones that are in high school – if you have this person that you know you, that just is not good for you, you know, they're telling you to listen to all this garbage music out there, this mumble rap or whatever they call it. If they're walking with you down this hallway, maybe take a right turn, go up the stairs, and then come talk to me because I'm in the school now too. So find a new way if you have to. If you have to, spend more time in your word. Be unorthodox about it. Pull out your Bible in the middle of work. I know yesterday I was given out a pretest. I pulled out my Bible and I studied. Because I knew I needed to. And I knew if I put it off any longer, I was just going to become complacent again. And I was going to sit in my sorrow and just sit there and push it off. And then when I say I'm going to push it off and do it in that hour, then it becomes three and then it becomes six. So getting out of complacency is going to take some work. It's going to take some dedication. But church, we have to draw deeper. Because like I said, one of those definitions of complacency is being unaware of present danger. And church, let me tell you, Working in a school system, there's plenty of present danger out there. There's plenty of present danger. I mean, I can see it on, on kids' faces. They're walking in to school that they don't have the best life. 
I know our job is to reach the lost, and we, you know, we're doing all of these great things like pastors involved in Belize, and we have uh, compounds that are going out there, and we're helping all of these people out there. But church, let me tell you, I work in this town, and it's right there. You walk outside that door, and that is where the present danger is. That is the commission, is right outside that door. You don't have to go all the way to Belize. And yes, if you want to, you can go to Belize. That is our job, is to go to Belize, to go to the outer parts of the world and and preach the gospel. But I'm telling you, the outer parts of the world are the outer parts of this building. So church, and, and I see it every day with all of these kids that walk into my classroom, you know, just the sorrow and and kids having depression and anxiety and and coming in and just pouring everything out because I'm the cool young teacher. So I get so much stuff told to me that I probably shouldn't. And it's just, it's so dark and and such a dark world out there. And we think that, you know, our community is great. We come to church every day. We have such a good service. But then you get out in the world and, and you feel the heaviness when you walk into that building. I do every day. But in church, we need to dive deeper. Because if we don't get deeper, what are we going to do when they turn to us? So church, make sure to get out of the, the system that we've got into. Get out of the routine, as, as TJ was saying, and draw closer into God. Thank you, young men and young lady tonight. How many is thankful that God is still speaking to the hearts of men and women, amen, of all ages? And I'm so grateful for it. If uh, Sister Melissa wants to come to the piano tonight, I'm not going to just take just a moment. I want to pray with you. Uh, I believe that we hear the heart of God this evening. And... uh, I believe we hear that without faith it is impossible to please the Lord. I think we hear a call of saying that there's more for you if you'll just seek me. As well as also a word of warning that simply says don't be too comfortable. And all of that I think can be Summed, if you was to read First John chapter number 4, the author begins to write in such a manner, and he says that, you know, if what you're hearing is exalting and declaring that Jesus Christ is Lord, then you know it is the Spirit of God. But if you hear something that is denying that Jesus Christ is who the Word of God says He is, then it's not of God and it is of an antichrist spirit. Now, you may think there's not much to that, but then you read just a little bit further. I believe it's like verse 6 or 7. You will find that there's a word of encouragement that says, basically I'll paraphrase it, is don't worry about what you're hearing that's not exalting God for who He really is because Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, and you have overcome them. Tonight, I want us to understand that no matter where we may find ourselves, no matter what we may be going through, 
no matter what the challenge may be. We must understand that which was written in New Testament scripture, we do not fight against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness in high places, principalities, and powers. You could sum that up by saying we're fighting against the antichrist spirit. And just because you say that I'm a Christian, just because I go to church, or just because I do this or that, does not make us exempt from those attacks. But sometimes we begin to focus on those attacks more so than on focus on the God that is within us. And I have to laugh a little bit. TJ mentioned Brother Sergey. I think he got scared a little bit because he was on the other side of the table. And Brother Sergey was saying, I'm going to pray. And uh, when he began to pray, he prayed with authority and power. And I think they was expecting on that side of the room just a little prayer, lay me down to sleep, you know. But no, it was like, come out and never come back. And it's like, I think they all just, their hearts, they thought they might have to have a heart check up there, you know. But, but what he understands is what many others understand that came before us. And that is this, that in ourselves we can do nothing but with God all things is possible and tonight I I want you to understand that all things really are possible to him that will believe and trust in the Lord if I was to minister tonight I was going to minister from Jeremiah chapter 30 but I don't feel like I need to I'm going to do that probably Sunday night Lord willing I'm going to deal with open wounds and defeated lives because can I tell you much of the cause of the complacency in the, in the church in the western part of our world today, it stems from wounds and bruises and difficulties. I want us to understand tonight we can be encouraged and we can be optimistic and we can look ahead with great excitement because our God is still who he says he is. Little Jackson and I sat down at the piano today and so beautifully he helped me sing through it all. I don't think he really understood the lyrics but he helped me sing them anyway. But I'm glad I understand the lyrics tonight that even though I've been a lot of places and seen a lot of things, I understand that God's still been faithful. Tonight on a Wednesday evening in the midst of cold, the first day of February, you may be a little tired, a little overwhelmed, but through it all, you're still here, you're still standing. Because God's still who he says he is. Amen. And because of that, you and I, like generations before us, we can put our faith and trust in him. There's a lot of things that's come and gone over the years. Some of them try to make their return. I'm glad platform shoes and bell-bottom pants is still not back quite yet, even though some's trying to bring it back. I'll just stay out of style, okay? But everything comes and goes. Some things does make it circle. 
But one thing that's never went anywhere, and that is the power and the anointing of God that's able to bring freedom to men and women that will call on his name. And because of that, we can with confidence tonight put our faith and trust in him. And tonight as we stand all over the house, I want to pray with you tonight. You say, how is it that you can be so confident? It's because tonight it's not just a story that I've read. It's not just a story that I've heard, but it's a life that I've lived for many years now. And I can tell you today that he's faithful. And you and I today don't have to be downhearted. We don't have to be overwhelmed today, but we can rest in knowing that God still loves, he still cares, and he still makes a way. And I want to pray with you tonight. Maybe you're here and you heard these young people tonight speak. Maybe you hear the word of faith, the word of challenge to go deeper, and even the word of of being complacent. Lord, help us to never be comfortable. David Wilkerson, one of the most powerful sermons I believe he ever preached was simply where he asked the question, where is the anguish? He asked the question simply, why, where is our concern? Tonight, we don't have to just get it ready get it right for ourselves but we got to get it right for a generation that needs Jesus today there are those that's hurting all around us there are those that are searching and looking for answers will we be his hands and his feet in this season while an overwhelming majority of professing Christians in America have never heard the phrase, the Great Commission. Will we take a hold of the Great Commission and make it a reality with those that we know, with those that we meet? I pray that we will tonight. We can't sit idle any longer, but we must. We must be found laboring. Amen. Pastor Jade here. I just want to thank you for watching the service with us today and being a part of it. We ask that you stay in touch with us. Follow us on all of our social media platforms. And we'll see you again soon. We love you. So does God.